pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Declarations of War, the final Declarations of War for 2017. I am your host, Alexei Card, joined today by my co-host, Yin Tan. Hello, everyone, and uh, farewell to 2017. Good riddance. Begone thought. (laughs) (laughs) And our very special guest, Bay Archie from EVNT. Hello. Uh, we are very excited to have you here, Sarah. EVNT, one of the most prominent EVE organizations. We're going to get into that story, how they rose from fan meetup to media empire. Should be quite nice. First, some shout-outs. A shout-out to the Capitalist Army's newest recruits, Cassidy Sky and Illuminora. I'll also throw in Feral in there, who I don't think I've gotten to shout-out on the show yet. Three of Noir's eight pilots that have... Put down the cushy, the, excuse me, the cushy, successful life of a mercenary. Decided to rough it out in the great wildlands, uh, building the frontier, so to speak. And it's been awesome to have them. Uh, Luminar just joined up. I'm so excited to fly with him again after the Christmas break. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Ian, take it away. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm eating a biscuit. You what? My, my my shout out has got to be to uh, Ash Rothy for helping me set up another faction warfare panel. Um, we talked a lot about some of the follow on questions that I was able to get from CCP because I would I I I did another faction warfare panel a couple of months ago, and I brought that to CCP and I actually had some like follow up questions from that, which was great to both have from CCP and to be able to bring those guys and get them involved in that process. What kind of biscuit? Oh, it was a rich tea biscuit. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Bay, your shout-outs? Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to my Alliance leader, 3T, for not kicking me out of Alliance, because I've been responsible for about 100% of our mining barge losses since Lifeboat, and he still hasn't kicked me out of the Alliance, which is very nice of him. What a lad. A shout-out to our sponsors, Eve Onion, uh, they have an exclusive story of Yin. They phrase it as Yin jumping the shark. I would phrase it as Yin revealing his true nature, a deep-seated prejudice against the Mimitar people, and uh, some latent mental health issues, perhaps. I'm not a psychiatrist. But the only way you're going to read about this story is by going to eveonion.com. That's eveonion.com. We break the news of Eve Online. And finally, a... A big mention to anyone in the North Carolina area. The Charlotte, North Carolina Eve meet. Uh, They're going to meet the third Saturday of every month. The next meet is January 20th in 2018. There's more details available on evemeet.net. And you can also check out the official Eve forums for more details. They've got a thread up there. Uh, Pretty good meetup. Anyone that's down remotely in that area, I would say two or three hour drive. uh, Go for it. Should have a great time. Let's get into it. We had a poll. 
Should you be able to rep citadels with a rep cap? This is Yin's big proposal for making citadels a less easier to suicide on. 75% of the audience agrees. I thought that would be high. But, uh, okay. Let's do this thing. Now, Yin, is this something that is being considered, or is this more like a fanciful idea you just think would magically fix the system? Is, are we going to see logistics come into play in Citadel Warfare in 2018 or 2019? Uh, I mean, A, that would be NDA, um, and B, it would be, it's just something that I've talked about with some various other people, and it's always good to get kind of a more public take on stuff like this, I find. It's always nice to discuss it with you and Artemis as well, which is, you know, you guys t- typically tend to have a, a very different opinion to me on a lot of large-scale balancing. So it's nice to find stuff that we can agree on. <clears throat> what is the feeling of other CSM members? Have you discussed it with them? Does it seem like there is broad support for this? Or Generally, I think most CSMs think it would be good. It's just not like as high up on the priority list as fix- fixing everything else that's wrong with Citadels. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> it's like, where does this f- fall on your ranking? And it's like probably, you know, below the top 10 problems with Citadels. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, maybe after Q1 fixes, we'll you know, uh, agitate more for it. But right now, we just want it to look, we want Citadels to be less trash. I think I was more against it on the last show, but actually, I've kind of warmed up the idea a little bit. Personally, just because being able to suicide a citadel, while it might be interesting and kind of fun to see, doesn't feel like it's the spirit of the gameplay. Like, you should probably win the grid before you kill it. And I'm I'm more coming around to that way of thinking. Although I still have some concerns about really large groups being able to make them effectively unkillable with uh, just massive facts spam. But who knows? Maybe we'll get some big fights instead. All right, let's bring in Bay R3 for a bit of an interview, mate. Uh, I'd love to know how you got into EVE in the first place. What got you to download? What got you to start playing for reals? Uh, for sure, I think, well, it's probably, I guess my dad was working at Blizzard at the time, answering um, tickets for people, and he happened to mention that no one in the office actually played World of Warcraft anymore. Uh, most of the guys who played MMOs were actually more interested in EVE Online, so that kind of put my interest. I was like, okay, because I was playing WoW at the time um, and very bored of it. And how uh, long ago was this? Oof, uh, seven or eight years ago. Probably yes. eight now, probably eight in March. Um, so that sparked me interest, and then I, I kind of did a bit of Googling, and I read the Gilding Guiding Sand Hand Social Club article, I think, that PC Gamer did. Uh, that was like that's probably been the trigger for a lot of people joining you online. I think um, it's probably the single biggest recruitment tool CCP's ever had. Yeah, I was definitely one of those people. I found that and went, yeah, wow, this is cool. Um, so gave it a shot. Downloaded it, installed it, played for like two days, uninstalled WoW, never looked back. Um, it definitely suits my uh, mentality in terms of how I approach games. I love, I love the fact that it's hard mode almost all of the time. Um and it's very unforgiving. I kind of enjoy that in a game. Uh, I like games where you're not kind of handheld through stuff and you have to logic solve stuff and, and problem solve to to achieve results. Um, but yeah, it's an awesome game. Is your dad still play? No, no. He, did, he never actually played it. He just 
he just told me stories of people in his office playing it. Like, ah. so. Oh, cool. Um, so what are you doing game currently? Who do you fly with? What's your gameplay style? Um, my gameplay style I'd describe as small gang structure warfare, um, which is, I guess, quite unusual. Um, I like I like um, crowbarring fights out of people by poking their structures and anchoring my own. Um, as, as, as a lot of large alliances do, I guess, to get content, but I do it on a, a much smaller scale. Um, often with even sometimes solo, even <laughs> and then Batstone phone friends when I need them. Need them. Uh, and then at the moment, I'm in a small gang alliance called Unspoken Alliance, uh, and I ran into them in Ethereum Reach when I was out here um, fighting the DRF, I guess. And we kept bumping each other into each other, and when we joined forces, and they were a really nice bunch of guys, so I've stuck with them. Um, so yeah, we're out here in Ethereum Reach fighting the DRF, just for content, really. It's good fun. Yeah, that's a story we've been discussing quite a bit on the podcast. We'd love to know a little bit more about uh, how that conflict started and what were some of the highlights on your mind, because Yin has been quite enamored with it. Um, I thought the fight against MC with the uh, the small gang use of artillery Nagelfars combined with Citadel webs was such a unique tactic. I really love reading about it. So it's been a fascinating conflict for us, and we'd love to hear the inside perspective. I'll also note that I immediately stole that <laughs> and so, used it like yeah, a no, day that, after I, we recorded that podcast. Yeah, I can't take credit for that. I was one of the other theory crafters in the Alliance. He came up with that. It was a really good idea. Um, I like most of the Alliance is US time zone and I stayed up. Well, I set my alarm for like 3am or something to get up and take part in that battle. And I, my wife kicked me out of bed at like quarter past when we alarmed off. That's why I got to my bed just as the battle was over because it was that fast because <laughs> the artillery... Uh, Nag just just slayed everything so fast that was really fun to uh, to come in on the end of anyway. But um, Ethereum Reach is it's it's a, it's a strange region. It's kind of it's the cornerstone of the drone lands in that it's the kind of entry gate, I guess, for jump freighters and subcaps and capitals to cross from low sec into into null sec. Drone is kind of far out in the east, and there's not a lot of access points unless you go through Gemini, which um, Legion X Death have locked down so it's kind of there's a lot of traffic through it and that means it's kind of not a very favourable place for um, Care Bears, PvE players to live in because there's a lot, a lot of traffic um, and the sort of quality of the space in terms of its indexes and stuff is not that great either so it's kind of always a bit of a influx I say um, and it's always something that strategically um, the DRF want to keep hold of because is that entry point um, but when they were fighting in the south um, I guess they were distracted um, and Unspoken and some of the guys from Great Wildlands NSH uh, that coalition moved in and just kind of started trolling around for fights I suppose but were kind of surprised surprised at their own success I think because DRF were absent and they kind of let it fall somewhat um, over in the C4 entry pocket so I think they've had that station now for like three or four months and there's like a constellation there, which is like a terrible place to rat in. So it's almost impossible to keep the ADMs up um, as a defender. So it's like, and it's and it's right next to Losec. It's right next to Great Wildlands. It's really hard. It's, it's a horrible place for anyone who wants to PVE to live. So it's, you know, really easy to troll. So they've kind of just let that pocket fall into our hands and they haven't taken it back yet. Um, and it's kind of like just, we've just kind of like, we kind of 
been surprised really because of the war the northern front that opened up and then and the, the, the front that tried DRF just haven't had the time to clear us out they've tried a couple of times and they've, they've kind of been knocked back um, we've back phoned some friends here and there to help us out um, and then Skill Yourself have turned up in the last month or so and they've been trolling around the area so it's kind of a, it's real like kind of it's like not really very relevant region in terms of like in the large scale of things it doesn't have much impact in the politics of the region but it's kind of uh, it's always on fire. <laughs> it's, it's quite it's quite a fun place to live. That's just a really interesting as hell setup, and I, I'm very impressed at Unspoken Alliance um, and how you guys have been able to sort of like a mini try, like spit in the face of the DRF. You're like, come take us down, and they haven't been able to yet. It's pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's been fun. I've always, I think for the last like three or four years, I've been fighting in drone lines on and off. Uh, and uh, kind of crowbarring content out of it because it's kind of it's, it's it's a big kind of evil coalition like it's not really evil but <laughs> it's it's easy to spin that kind of story uh, and they're kind of like a little bit shambolic and disorganized at times you can kind of take advantage of that so you can get content as as a small gang out there um, and not be completely blobbed by 100, 200 man fleets every day they do come by occasionally and stomp your stuff but um, in between that you can get a lot of content out of it there's an alliance called Prethean Alliance, um, who are friends with Xdeath and in the DRF, and they're kind of like the main soul holders in the region. But they can't keep every system locked down. It's just impossible to keep those ADMs up to stop soul trolls. Um, so they kind of, we kind of have an interesting relationship where they kind of dominate completely the Russian and early EU time zone, and then they go to bed. Uh, we wake up. Uh, we kind of dominate the region. Um, in the late EU and US time zone, I think this is the, I think Serin are like the third or fourth alliance to come through that they've tried to get to live here. <laughs> We've kind of trolled them out with this army before that, and IRC had a pocket, and there was someone else I can't remember who, but they kind of keep trying to get these kind of uh, terrible alliances to come in and, and get a foothold and push us out, but we kind of quite enjoy fighting back, because that's been quite fun. Um, and IRC are in the US time zone, but they're not particularly strong either, so we've kind of been able to hold, of, hold our own. We've got a Fort Azar, um, and a bunch of Citadels in the area, so moving around is pretty easy. With a hit one, we kind of move to the other. It's, yeah, it's good fun. That's awesome. Let's talk about EVNT. Uh, how'd you first get involved with it? Um, so I've been involved with it right at the beginning. Um, myself and the head of EVNT, Nash, um, worked at the same place real life um, and ever since the first event we've been hanging out um, at least until he moved on to a different job we kind of hung out and drank coffee and uh, chatted about metagaming stuff and uh, organized events and tournaments and stuff and so yeah I've been there from the beginning of the event and, and pretty heavily involved um, in planning and organizing things so for those who first heard of it it seems weird like Nowadays, people would never believe, probably, that EVNT started as just a player meetup. And now you guys have a website, you're running tournaments, um, you're running tournaments for CCP, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, how did that evolution play out? Was that something you guys intended at the start? Who, who decided like that was how you were going for it? What were some challenges? I would love to know that story. So it definitely just did start out on a whim. Um, 
I think uh, Nash just got back into the game um, and he'd taken a break and he went to meet up with some old buddies who um, he flew within the Bastards so he just rejoined the Bastards which were a low sec alliance that I think are kind of dead now but um, he was the leader of um, when he was very active um, and so he just went to organize a meet up for some friends um, and kind of just put it on the forums as well and it kind of just kind of expecting maybe 20 people to show up actually like 80 to 100 showed up just kind of lots of random people in the UK I, I think there's kind of a Eve London's great meet up but there's kind of a demand as well like London's quite expensive place to go um, and it's southern I guess so there's a lot of people in the north and, and midlands who I guess were interested in more events um, so that a lot of those kind of came down um and it was just, yeah, it was a really good success. And I think that just drove Nash to um, do more. And, and I think just through meeting players at those events um, and um, chatting with them and getting excited about Eve, that drove him and me to expand, I guess, into other things, um, making contacts through those discussions at player events. He's a very motivated person um, and he likes to follow lots of opportunities. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we did, we did that. It was good fun. Like, we ended up he got involved at Eve Bat, which opened up a lot of doors for him in terms of contacts and stuff as well, um, and just kind of expanded Eve NT to make it bigger and better. I think he, re- he really enjoyed he, he, um, running events, and I really enjoyed running the tournament because we did a live player sixty four player tournament. Which really, I went down really well, and I still really, uh, really enjoyed doing that. Um, and and that's kind of led us into the tournament thing. So I had kind of an um, idea to do an online tournament on CC. Um, and he used his contacts to get hold of CCP and they helped us out and got Logic Pro involved. Um, and so we kind of applied the same sort of um, successes from the live tournament we did. It was a 64-player double elimination knockout tournament. And we kind of applied the same sort of successes and organization to the online stuff. And it's just kind of snowboard out of control. <laughs> Not out of control, it's in control. Um, and yeah, we just had a lot of fun with it, really. Um, so it wasn't kind of like super planned. It's kind of just evolved through the context and um, uh, so just different like, yeah, I guess just kind of evolved one step at a time. It's been good fun. And you've got a story I'm gathering from the chat. Oh, I'm just, I'm just mad at Art J for like put, putting the Griffin Navy issue in for the last EMT live tournament that we did. <laughs> Because I got fucked out in the first round after coming third in the uh, first one. With someone who'd never PvP'd before, I might add. Ah, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about that tournament. We, so you, you, joined, you arrived at the venue, and you put your name in a hat, and we drew 64 players' names out of the hat. I think the first one we did, we struggled to get 64. We, we just made it. Um, and then like by the end of the last one, people were getting there early to make sure they get on the tournament. It was great. People had a lot of hype about it. Um, but like, so the way we did it, we just, we didn't, it was a 2v2 competition, uh, but we didn't allow people to pair it with someone they knew. We just literally put the names out of the hat. Um, so it was quite entertaining that sometimes you'd get someone who was particularly really good at PvP alongside someone who'd actually never undocked a PvP ship in their life. They'd just flown mining barges and they just come to the player Eve meets, just kind of, you know, drink, drink and hang out and find out more about Eve, very new players kind of thing. So it was quite hilarious watching people just no idea what they're doing alongside these very good players get super frustrated. <laughs> it's it's okay, quite I funny. Fu- I fucking loved it. Like, we went there, I went there, and I, like one other profi person turned up, and we got paired together. 
Uh, so like me and Elinari, we actually became quite good friends. He's actually great. Um, me and Elinari were playing. She was all, and I was like flying the the destroyer because uh, it was command destroyers and T one cruisers was the format. <laughs> so I'd figure out what was the like optimal setup for each of them because I'll be honest, babe, those original fits were not very well balanced. <laughs> it was like Vex at every match, and then like no no one picked the Balakos ever. That's where we invented the rule where we banned a ship each round. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what does it when it's went? Yeah, it ended up basically being in the in the final round it's like Mala versus Caracal, which was, you know, kind of the, the generic matchup. But anyway, the whole point the whole the funniest part was like I was getting drunk the whole time. Like really hammered. Because you know what I'm like, Bay, and everyone in the audience should know at this point what happens when me and alcohol come into contact. I just get wrecked. Because I have no alcohol tolerance. Because I don't drink outside of evenings, or mm-hmm. like you know, open comms. Yeah, you don't have any history with substance abuse. Uh, what's your first thought with you? Yeah, that's a different substance. Um, <laughs> I can so I can self-regulate on that. But <laughs> yeah, so as the as the day goes on, I'm like trying desperately to train Elinari about how how to PvP because I know by the end of it, I'm gonna just eat shit and die. So we get to the final match, and there's and like there's this team going up against us for third place. It was the third and fourth like tiebreaker match, and they're like actually pretty good. They like solo PP a bit, and I'm hammered, like really drunk. <laughs> and Elinari one v twos the other two people after I like die in the first ten seconds, and we we're both like super happy, like just jumps up and down. Oh, it's great. I think a lot, it was really it's really fun actually seeing because we did um, so we did five of those Nottingham meetups before we took a break, um, and it was fun seeing people um, who were paired up with each other in the previous kind of meetups tournament like buy each other a beer at the next one. So it was like kind of like meeting people through playing tournaments, you know, um, and uh, maintain those relationships. So it was good, it was good to see. It was good fun, very rewarding. All right, awesome. Um... Let's talk about the Alliance tournament. Uh, you guys were involved this past tournament doing essentially the the early rounds, and then CCP took over official production in their studio for some of the later rounds. How did that arrangement come to be, and what do you guys think about now what CCP at least has implied, if not made official, that Event T will be running commentary and production for the entirety of Alliance Tournament 16? Yeah. So it's not in the, it's not a secret that because I think Falcon announced it at Fanfare <laughs> no at V Vegas so it's not a surprise that they want to go that way it was it was really really so we did we've done two alliance tournaments the first alliance tournament we did was kind of um, so the autumn of last year um, and we did the first weekend um, of that one and then they kind of so they were so impressed with the the results. They hired us for two weekends of this year's tournament, um, and yeah, fantastic opportunity. Um, I've never even considered kind of live TV and live broadcast um, as a kind of something I wanted to do before um, getting involved in Eve tournaments. But damn, it was fun, and, and like I really enjoyed it, and I learned a lot of skills in terms of directing and organizing people. Like I've always been an organizing kind of person, like an FC or strategy or a corp leader in Eve. Um, but I've never really kind of applied those skills to something, um, let's, uh, a project like that in real life. And it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I was kind of directing most of the time, and Nash was 
down in the studio um, making the tour everything ran smoothly and then I was up um, with the techs directing and, and making sure um, everything was going to plan upstairs and uh, it was kind of like really, really nice to actually get together I think we had something like 20 people involved in the lights tournament uh, that was just physically in Nottingham on and off throughout the weekends like this year um, and it was really really cool to get these nerds together who have all got these kind of production skills uh, be it just running to the shop and getting us stuff we needed um, or doing the like biohazard doing the streaming at a very fresh level mixing it all together uh, really really fun to get all these volunteers together hard work but really really fun and really enjoyed it um, well, the product was unbelievable uh, I made the comment on the podcast at the time like the production value for EMT's side of the tournament in my view is in many ways even higher than CCP's uh, in terms of set design and, and commentary quality so I was I was blown away by uh, just how professional and smooth and high quality everything looked and felt and sounded. It was wonderfully produced. Thank you very much. I think it was a combination of the fact that uh, we're lucky to work in a place which does have an actual TV studio uh, and techs that do do that for a living. Um, and we kind of uh, Nash did a deal to get them to help out and CCP funded it. Um, so we actually had a you know, proper TV studio which CCP doesn't have. They usually have a pop-up studio, which makes a huge difference in terms of the um, quality of the photography and the audio, because um, these guys really know what they're doing, so that really, really helps. But then um, the collective effort of all the volunteers in terms of um, uh, Corin Moore doing the kind of little uh, stings between the, as we cut between scenes and doing like excellent VFX, um, and just and, and uh, the Alexi doing the stats, Vitor working on the tools. We've got loads of really talented people who just kind of like all contributed a little bit, um, and then me and Ash put it all together. Um, and I think we kind of approached it like if we're gonna, the first time we had an opportunity to do this, um, we approached it like right, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna like go all out. We're gonna make it as professional as we possibly can, um, just because I think in everything we've done for EVNT, we've kind of we've not been satisfied doing it half-assed you know like we, we want to do it as professionally as possible so there's no point that's kind of been our attitude and we applied that to Lions tournament and it came out really well um even though we had a limited budget and it was all run by volunteers i think we achieved a pretty professional result which is cool so that's what's um so yeah ccp have asked us to put a quote together um for doing the whole broadcast next year which is something we're really really excited about and i think a lot of our energy is probably just going to go into that now because it's going to be a huge project doing four weekends in a row managing that many volunteers um, and the logistics of it is going to be a headache but we're quite up for the challenge I'm very excited to hear it uh, any other big projects for EVNT besides the expanded alliance streamer coverage um, we, that is going to be our main focus this year this coming year I think I think because we're all volunteers we've got real lives and families and stuff um, Nash in particular has got a much busier job now um, I think we're probably going to focus on that as our main project next year but we've got, got a lot of little things going on as well um, if CCP manages to find someone to maintain and run the Thunderdome server, we'll probably continue with the Eventy Championship, which has been a really fun um, project, um, and it keeps all the skills of the commentators and the production staff going um, from one ET to the next now. So we'll definitely keep that going um, uh, if we can. It's very dependent on whether or not the CCP can find someone to maintain Thunderdome, because that was all Logic Pro, basically. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. But um, so yeah, we've also got we've kind of dipped our toes into PUBG 
we kind of had a PUBG tournament um, in the autumn. We're hoping to do another one in the new year. That was a lot of fun. So kind of using the same skills as we we got through um, EVE and applying that to PUBG because a lot of our uh, team are really excited and enjoying that game as well. Um, and I think I think we just kind of wanted to break out of just being an EVE organization just to allow ourselves to be a little bit more flexible, like a lot of EVE streamers do play other games as well. I think we got to give our guy, our team the opportunity to do other things as well. So we've kind of rebranded slightly as Plus 10 Gaming, um, and but, but keeping EVE a T brand for EVE. Um, so yeah, hopefully another new tournament for that in the new year. Awesome. Let's get into some other top stories. Uh, Ian, this is all you. A PL Revenant has been downed. Uh, yeah, it's actually from today. I like basically got back from having breakfast with my gran and looked at my phone and there was a Revenant kill mail. Uh, uh, one of the, the old school kind of cap FCs in Providence, a guy called Lord Mark One, uh, orchestrated a pretty dank bait along with one of our uh, uh, one of our new FCs uh, with a Charon, or as he calls it, a Sharon. Seriously, that's how he pronounces Charon. <laughs> I don't get it. Anyway, uh, he baited and fragged the heck out of a Revenant. So yeah, 155 billion-esque down. Rip and pit. Rip Reno. It's always nice to see expensive things die. Well, that serves him right. Uh, what did he bait him out with, do you know? Yeah, Charon. Oh yeah, uh, sorry. Freighter. What was the kill with? Um, like a ton of, um, Dread, I think. Ah, uh, Dread Bar. Cool. Yeah. We're not going to drop supers on other supers. That seems like <laughs> a, a losing proposition. Probably with supers in 2018? Maybe. Happening, obviously. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> uh, the other big story, it's been a relatively quiet past couple of weeks, but uh, just the other day, a major theft from one of Tri's biggest corporations, Captain Patrick Archer. One of the Tri and the Triumvirate uh, just jacked all their shit um, in what has to be the longest post I've ever seen on Reddit, the TLDR of which is, I stole the money. (laughs) It was a long post. It was ridiculous. I've seen summaries of War and Peace shorter than this post. It was, it was the point when I first clicked it. I I started reading like the first couple of lines, and I was like, "Oh man, this is long." Oh shit, this is really long. Then I read like the middle of it. I was like, "Oh, he's still talking about stuff that's totally irrelevant to the title." I'm out. And then I I checked some of the comments, and I was like, "Oh, so that's what this is about." Maybe I'll actually check it out now. So uh, that's unfortunate. Um. To hear him tell it, he was uh, so wronged by other people in Try, but from anyone else's perspective, uh, he took money from the wallet, didn't tell anyone that he did it, and then got mad when they were like, yo, where's our money? And decided to kick him out over it. I don't know, it seems pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, I mean, from his kind of perspective, he didn't, like, screw over the Alliance and the way, um, I guess, judged it to CO2. He was more just 
angling to get back at the people he felt who, who had wronged him. Although I suppose in the judge case, judge was angling to get back at the gig X, but I, we'll get back to that later. Cause there's but a lot they've both done it for the there. line members, Yen. For yeah, the line same. members. Uh, CPA is, sees Quam as his court because he kind of helped to run it for a long time. Um, so it's not quite the same thing. He's doing it more for his court member. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and justify what he did. He did like steal a shitload of money from a corporation and like pieced out of the alliance. Yeah, I mean, they just apparently him and a bunch of people have gone to NC Dot. So interesting. Oh, have fun. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> who wants director roles? Anybody? Um, and, just, shockingly, I get the feeling he'll probably have direct roles in his own court that he's running in NC Dot. It, it seems to me like NC Dot is, is now the new home you go to when you're kind of used to be big, and now, and now you're kind of semi AFK, and you kind of still want to be sort of somewhat relevant. Like it, it used to be PL that like all the FCs and content creators from other alliances joined. Now that seems to switch to NC Dot, and I'm kind of intrigued to see how that's going to play out. I wonder why that is. They haven't really had any big figures join PL recently from other alliances. It used to be that happened just about every other month. Anyone, any FC or CEO that got burnt out would just be like, ah, oh, I'm going to PL. Yeah, now it's, ah, oh, I'm going to the empty dot. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know, if I was running an NC dot type alliance, I don't even know that I would pick him up after that, because... I just have a hard time imagining how you can trust them with anything relatively important. And when you're an NC dot, you have a lot of important stuff. Like, he he feels like he took money to get back at people that wronged him. But he took the money first. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. So, it, it's basically just the world's longest justification for a corp theft. And... Like what do you what do you do with that as an alliance leader? Like okay, now he's the CEO of his own corp in your alliance. Like, how can you move forward and trust them with like alliance level assets or alliance level access, channel access? Like, this this is where they go to when they feel like they're not getting enough credit for something. Like they just take all your money. So. I don't know. It's just hard for me. I'm sure you've had, or CBA has had some experience with this as like a coalition level power. How do you manage that? How do you balance that? I, I quite frankly have no idea. I don't really deal with high level political stuff. I don't actually have any roles with CPA. So, like, I don't, I don't have access to any um, large wallets or anything like that. Have you ever, have you guys ever recruited folks that have stolen in their previous alliance, like big thefts? I'm fairly sure we've done it at some point. I mean, it just comes down to the fact that we would never give them access to anything because we don't give pretty much anyone access to anything. We're kind of like super paranoid, so but we're paranoid enough that it doesn't that it doesn't matter who we get in. Like I suppose the only even remote equivalent to that I can think of off the top of my head is Osim. And I mean, Osim didn't steal from us. They just kind of left with Vault and like some people were like super bitter about that. He left with what? Uh, 
a volition cult. Oh. Awesome, we're a major part of, like, Providence for a while, for a very long time. We'd helped them a lot. They'd helped us a lot. And then, uh, when Volition Cult decided they were going to leave Providence and kind of stab us in the back on the way out, um, awesome went with them. Why would anyone? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's Bob Blood Brothers. He's a really trustworthy and charismatic figure. I, I guess. From outside of Providence, it's hard to imagine anyone being like, hey, yeah, well, I'll hitch my fortunes to their train. They're going well. places. They did go places, directly into goons. <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad place to be. I guess, that's true. I mean, that's true, they got wide out of it. But they ended up in a decent place, so, you know, kudos to them. Uh... Crazed. Alright, uh, let's talk about some other highlights. We kind of touched on it. Uh, this is like our year in review, our farewell to 2017. Uh, I think we could all agree probably the most defining moment for the year was when the judge decided to kill off CO2 effectively and end the Winter War. Decision by a single player ended effectively the chances of a new like World War Three type situation in EVE. And at the cost of one of Eve's most well-known, smallish to medium-sized alliances. He just was like, yeah, time to go. And I'm, I'm like, fucking you it's so hard. Yeah, Transferred is... their staging Keepstar to their enemies. Got camped in by goons. Took money. Uh, took ships. Took everything. Um, and it was just like, yeah, fuck off. Yeah, I mean, the way the way that all happened was pretty crazy, to be honest. Like, I don't think a lot of people understand what the judge was going through at the time he made that decision to basically flip at the summit, specifically. Uh, the judge was the guy who put together, along with members of TESS, and I think a, uh, a couple of people in um, Brave, they made a decision, basically, to create Legacy together, and judge was like a driving force behind that. You know, that was kind of his baby. Legacy as a coalition was his baby. And then he got to watch Gigex basically curb stomp it in about 48 hours during the summit, whilst he wasn't didn't have access to the computer to actually like solve anything. I'm super and curious. He Sorry, felt super, he felt like super betrayed, very, very bitter, and Aerith saw his chance and he went in for the kill. That's pretty much all it came down to. I think a fucking a gingerbread man could have flipped him at that point. Yeah, go back. I'm super curious, like you being on the CSM with him, like and, and from all reports he is a great CSM member and he's very dedicated to it and he turns up to a lot of the meetings, takes a lot of notes, um and has a lot of input in that. Like I'm really curious I know I know that CSP is always somewhat skeptical of the CSM in terms of how much they trust them. Um with information, and obviously, like they, they hope they trust the video, you know, like, but they've been burnt before. Like, does do the player actions in game uh, affect the way CCP view the judge afterwards? Do you think, like, in terms of like his interactions with CCP, like, do they, does the fact that he's kind of now a backstabber, <laughs> like, in that category of person who is willing to do that if needed, does that affect? Do you think uh, how the company sees a player? Um, 
if Judge had done it like a unprovoked and b it probably had and it hadn't been around GigX, then it probably would have affected their views on him. But CCP is not a huge fan of GigX because this is not the first time he's threatened to kill someone uh, over the video game. In all honesty, they were probably happy to have an excuse to ban him because he has done some pretty fucked up things in the past in terms of talking, in terms of the way he's communicated with people. As much as he might like to claim that, oh, you know, I didn't know this was wrong. You know, this is just my culture. This is not the first time he's been in trouble for things like this. Yeah, that's what I strongly suspected. Uh, and for anyone that, that forgot, uh, the fallout of this continued as GigX logged on, found out what had happened, and uh, the judge was streaming Alliance chat live on Twitch. Judge came in and made several violent threats, uh, threats of death. You mean GigX? Cutting off judge. hands. So again? You mean, you mean GigX? GigX, yes, yeah, sorry. GigX came in, found out what happened, went off the handle, um, you know, asked for the guy's address, which apparently he had access to anyway, uh, threatened to kill him, threatened to get people to kill him, threatened to get his hands cut off. Who knows in what order that was going to go down. Pretty, yeah, there's some pretty fucking violent imagery. It's awfully specific, too. Yeah. It, it was a pretty fucked up thing. It just shows, like, some people just don't realize there is a line in terms of what's kind of acceptable behavior isn't. And, you know, GigX, you can think what you might, might want to think about, you know, how good was GigX for the game? Yeah, he was good. He was a content creator. He was uh, a guy who was willing to put in a lot of effort, but that doesn't give you a license to be a cunt. Well said. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about the, the, judge, the judgment day as it's now gone down in the annals of history. I mean, it's it's going to be up there as, like, one of the, the big watershed moments of the game, probably. Yeah, first, probably the biggest, like, betrayal since Hargoth. Yep. Easily. Which is saying something, considering the game we play. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's great, though. I, I do like that, you know, I get to say hashtag I was there, because I was involved in, like, the whole... You know, seeing seeing what seeing it go down, I got pinged by the judge. He pulled me into the chat so I could listen to it all go down. It's like holy shit! I felt I got to feel like I was part of history, not some irrelevant Provi scrublord. Speaking of irrelevant Provi scrublords, um, <laughs> the CVA still around. That's a, our highlight for the year. They have survived multiple invasions, avoided what everyone expected to be. Uh, the eve equivalent of an ethnic cleansing over their outposts. Woohoo, lass. And uh, also embraced your inner weeb this year with the anime war. Oh, the anime war was great. I like how I had a war because I fucking pissed off someone on a podcast. That's like, that's true eve meta, to be honest. It's brilliant. <laughs> it was great, yeah. I, I will say that I've made amends with Reza. He's actually quite a nice guy now that I've been and had, had chats with him in real life. There's a couple of great pictures of me and him hugging it out. He's, uh, yeah, he just, I think we just both got on each other's wrong side that time. <laughs> Still, I'm looking forward to the uh, inevitable conclusion to the CBA versus Pandemic Legion War 
when the station changes finally do actually go through, and we see what happens when Pio gets actually serious about this shit. Yeah, do we all still think that it's gonna happen? I still think it's gonna happen. I still think it's gonna happen. We're gonna get fucking like deep nicked. Yeah, by who? Like by Pandemic Legion and T Dot. Do you think like goons will make a move on Provi as well? Like I'm, I'm thinking like Provi is like the most amount of systems per. Like there's only like one system that doesn't have a station, right? Let me put it like this: I think the only way that PL and NC dot and like Panfam in general don't control Providence before that patch is because Goonswarm controls the other half of it. I think it's quite likely that what we're going to end up with is like some sort of three-way because I know um, Elise is offered or. Some member of Pandemic Legion's probably offered goons like the hey, let's just split Provi, there's no reason to fight over it. And both sides have then realized, actually, no, fuck this. This is a great reason for us to fight. So we're just going to be like, um, do you proxy think, war. Do you think they're going to be willing to commit their super fleet, bring that down for it, though? Like, that's why I'm d- interested in. Like, uh, is, it, is that enough of a reason? Is there enough money on the line to actually risk moving their super fleet away from? Uh, tribute, I don't know. Like, because without the super fleet, surely, like, if test uh, legacy side with you guys, then people are going to struggle to make a lot of ground, aren't they? I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know if test's going to be particularly interested in defending us long term in terms of you know our stations and shit. Here's pretty... the thing: no one would be interested in doing that. There's so much money in Pravi that anyone that could hold a system could take. No one really has any incentive to make sure Providence continues to hold those systems. At best, Test and Legacy would want to take it for themselves. Arguably, Legacy do have an incentive because they don't want PL to hold Sov next door to them. That's pretty bad for them, especially for, like, Catch. Um, But I don't think they have any expectation that that Sov would stay PL. They're pretty much just going to take it to grab the stations and run. I think it's more likely that the test would just counter-invade and be like, no, we're taking this part. And then goons would probably invade as well. We just have this fucking shithole three-way with, like, CVA just crying in a corner. I mean, you know, not to put it bluntly or anything. But it'll be, it'll be good fun. We'll keep what we can. I, I hope at the end of it that we can keep, you know, maybe 10% of our stations and have a moral victory that way. It'd be interesting That's... to see whether or not the uh, the rest, like the kind of mid south, has all settled down by then. Because I guess there's probably, and there's not as many stations, obviously, but there's a lot of fluctuation there. And I think a big force could probably take out multiple regions of stations if it really wanted to. Like, well, that's an interesting thing because there are a lot of. I mean, the focus one is on Providence because it has more stations per system than like. I mean, it has a station in almost every system. There are very few, if any, regions that are like that. But there are a lot of stations in Eve, and if everyone is fighting in Providence, you know, like, what about the rest of those stations? Like, who's grabbing that shit? The stuff in the drone lands, for instance. Somebody's probably going to be trying for something while everybody else is looking down in Providence. Could be interesting. Yeah. Uh, by the way, in response to your actual question, no, I don't think PL is going to commit supers. Like, that seems super fucking dangerous. Like, does PL want to commit their major strategic asset to maybe pick up two trillion s? Probably not. Also, what impact are they going to have on soft warfare? Which is what this is going to come down to. Uh, 
So, uh, speaking of stations, uh, Capitalist Army decided to leave the NETC for Great Wildlands. Not really a Eve-level highlight, but a highlight for the show, for sure. There's been a lot more content to talk about since we've switched over. And we've deployed a station in NTAC-6, started doing the trade hub thing. We picked up Night Jester from Noir. He's been running uh, a lot of market materials in and out of there. And we're actually seeing some results now. We had an alliance move in next door. They've been regular customers. We actually found the other day a corp that in their corp description explicitly says that they essentially exist to produce things and sell them at our station, which is really fun to see. Uh, shout out to Metany and all those guys. Uh, we're starting to pull in a few miners. We're making friends and some enemies out in Great Wildlands, getting a lot of content down in Scalding Pass, shooting up fraternity. Um, it's It's been great. It's... Uh, it's just been awesome, and thanks to Night Jester for all of the work that he's put in to help accelerate the development of the trade hub and do some recruiting. We now actually have a proper European time zone. Uh, it's just been fantastic. The Capitalist Army has grown by leaps and bounds this year, and uh, it's been very, very exciting. I'm very pumped for next year as well. we got a lot more in store for you guys in the podcast. And speaking of money... Alliance Tournament 15, the highlight of which, aside from the actual matches, Yin's Golden Suit. We've got to talk about it. <laughs> How? Well, you know, <laughs> by, by, by the same thing most things happen, by exchanging money for goods and services. Therefore, I got the biggest Buddha that I could find, you know, the biggest golden Buddha statue to just jizz all over a, ja a plain black jacket and that's how that jacket got made it's actually holy so i guess the questions that come to mind are like is this jacket mass produced i.e did they expect other people to also buy it or did you have to get it custom made um it's actually on amazon i believe you can actually go and buy it yourself if you really want to well the personally i'd go for the the like uh, blue suede sort of one that they have because that actually looks like more reasonable. I actually spent a ton of time looking for it because I, I originally bought the tie and the tie was just something I bought kind of for myself because I thought it looked cool and it does. Um, and then I was like, I, I showed it to Bay. Uh, sorry, no, I didn't. I showed it to Nash and Nash was like, you need to get a gold jacket to go with that. And I was like, you're damn right I do. So I went looking for the most fucking obnoxiously shiny, like, pimp-ass jacket I could find, and that's what I found. And I was like, yes, this is going to be me now. I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> I'm going to revel in it. And I actually, believe it or not, I actually got new glasses that didn't quite come before the AT. Uh, I now wear glasses with a, a, a gold frame on the sides. So I was, hoping that I, I was hoping that I could turn up with the gold glasses as well, but sadly not. Well, that was quite year, epic. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, always next. Well, I've already got my, my suit for next year picked out. I'm looking forward to that one. Do you want to give any hints? Yeah, it's going to be all about those Benjamins, boy. Oh, snap. We call him Yin Rainmaker Tan. Yeah, I will say, though, that being part of 8015 was a fucking great experience. It's it's so much more fun than going up from summits, like to be frank with you guys. 
because the the summits are a fucking lot of work. Yes, they are. You, you go up there and you're like, I'm gonna spend four days doing like meetings, and then I'm gonna have maybe one day to myself and like talking to a dev that I'm friends with, and then I'm gonna go home, and just be tired. Whereas, yeah, everyone is like, oh, they're just getting a vacation to Iceland. What vacation? If if your vacations involve eight hours of meetings a day, then you you have the wrong idea of what a vacation is. Uh, <laughs> to be quite the CSF summit that I went to flew overnight, couldn't sleep on the plane, landed at like six in the morning. The bus drive in to Reykjavik was like six thirty. We checked in to the hotel and stuff about seven ish. Came down, waited for everybody else to get there and stuff to about 7.30, walked over to the EVE headquarters by 8 o'clock, and then was like from 8 to 6 straight meetings uh, with like maybe an hour of lunch in there, uh, probably less than that. And then everyone else was like, hey, let's go drink. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to bed. And I crashed till the next morning, woke up, did it all over again. Uh, yeah, there's... It's fun, I guess, if you like traveling, but a vacation, it is not. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Like, being part of the AT, though, on the other hand, you, like, go up there, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to put in, you know, three or four days' work. But it's not like it's going to be hard. It, you know, you put in, like, two or three days' prep before each weekend. But that means you've got, like, two or three days to just do whatever the fuck you want. It's fucking great. You go out for, like, Awesome meals, we party, we went clubbing in a really shit club. I got hammered. I actually danced like twice. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking I'll tell you what, Logi Bro can dance. I was like shocked at his mad styling on the dance floor of the, the regular gay club we ended up dancing at. <laughs> uh it's just it, there was some there's some great stuff. There's some stories that she'll never See the light of day that I have in the back of my mind that make me laugh every time I think about them. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I just hope I get picked again next year because goddamn, it was so good. <laughs> Even Are you running for re-election? Huh? You're running for re-election? Uh, I'm running for both re-election and hopefully alliance tournament commentatorino. Uh, someone else in this channel is going to be running for election as well. He thinks. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to put my hat in the ring. I think, definitely. I think um, the CCP community team uh, being reduced, shall I say, <laughs> um, <laughs> has really made me feel like just a little bit concerned for that side of our game. And yeah, I think I want to step up and try and help out where I can, give CCP some advice like Nash did. I've, you know, I've seen it all from his perspective as well about how CCP can direct the resources they've got left to support the community and you know I, I, yeah very keen to try and help out like that and also got a strong interest in games design and and their games theory so the idea of giving ccp feedback on game mechanics and, and the way play, players play the game super excites me as well well we, we touched on it so this is i guess more of a low light of the year but the halloween massacre ccp laying off a large percentage of employees about a third of the company including a number of folks in the community team. Um, supposed to be uh, layoffs just focused around VR, but that's not really how it turned out. Um, we lost Logibro, we lost Lilu, we lost Manifest. 
Uh, it was rough. And with hardly any warning from what we've been told to the employees themselves, came just after Vegas, and there was no real hint that that was going to happen. Quite the opposite, as a matter of fact, uh, with VR playing a very prominent role in CCP's um, like presence there and marketing there. And uh, yeah, it just kind of took everybody by surprise. It was like a gut punch to the community. Really led uh, a lot of veteran players to question CCP's commitment to the game in terms of, I mean, cutting the community team was pretty harsh. Uh, they still have two folks on the community team, uh, be Falcon and Guard, but very difficult to imagine, you know, Eve growing without some, something different happening in terms of investment and marketing, and to have that get cut was pretty disheartening. Yeah, it was a pretty sad time. Uh, something we knew very little about until it happened, but it was something that apparently needed to be done. Yep, um, they didn't really have any messaging around it, which was also shocking. There was just nothing, really. Uh, Falcon did his best to like figure things out as it was happening, but it was clear that he kind of found out about it almost along with everybody else, so there really wasn't any. Uh, there was, wasn't anything worked out. They were like trying to reply to forum posts and stuff instead of making announcements. Initially, it was like, "Ooh, uh, not great." Um, I think things have somewhat stabilized, um, at least in terms of community sentiment but still something that we're going to be looking at keenly going into 2018 of you know what level of investment is CCP doing in EVE in terms of personnel, resources, and marketing. And I think that's going to be something a lot of people keep an eye on with a very critical view. Yeah, I'm having worked with Guard and, and um, Nash usually communicates them directly, but I've met um, them and, and, you know, I kind of I have a good understanding of how much workload they've got, and I've I just I have no idea how they're going to cope. Uh, they, they are literally having to make decisions right now as to what they they've got to drop and what they've got to keep instead of what they can support, and and that's kind of yeah, that always sucks, um, particularly when they've been supporting players and, and groups and projects. They've just got to say you know can't help you anymore, um, and I, I worry that those people they've been helping drift away from the game because they're not getting that sort of support from the community team anymore uh, and move on to the, you know, using their skills and their um, uh, excitement in, into other games, you know. So it's it's a shame because, as we all know, as bit of vets, the community is what binds the game together still, I think. Yeah, I mean, it would be dead long ago if it wasn't for that. I certainly probably would have left. Um, the friendships that you make in Eve keep you in Eve. Taking away the community or support for the community is definitely counterproductive if your goal is to keep the game healthy and growing. But that said, you know, I made the point that like just straight community word of mouth is probably pretty exhausted at this point in terms of Eve growth. So while you do have to retain players and, you know, give people a reason to keep playing and make them feel like the game is still going to be here. Yeah, we need some new effort, some new energy to help grow the game. 
Uh, so bring in fresh faces and get them interested in recruiting for EVE. Get them to get their friends to play. All right. Um, uh, let's transition to uh, something that has helped EVE a bit in terms of uh, getting promotion, and that's the Twitch affiliate launch. Uh, Twitch has launched affiliates, which is like a mini partner program, kind of. Uh, and a lot of EVE streamers, which weren't able to get partnered because EVE's not a like extremely popular game to watch, got affiliate instead, including myself. And now we've got emotes, we've got ability to get bits. It's really helped drive a, a pretty substantial growth of EVE streamers and EVE streaming uh, in 2017. And I think it'll continue into 2018. Uh, stream fleet, the Discord always seems like it's getting new people in it, and uh, you know the affiliate program is getting more and more support from Twitch, which I think will feed into this as well. And then we just got to get more people watching and more people trying the game out, and that could be a significant source of growth for Eve in the next year. It's something that I'm personally involved with and have, will continue to be involved with. I've loved streaming over the past year; it's been really, really fun. Uh, and I've definitely stepped it up in a way that I hadn't before in terms of like regular broadcasts and trying to broadcast more frequently. Uh, and I've seen some growth in the channel. Made a little money off the affiliate program. I've got two emotes now, um, including the band new Baby, Do Baby Dominic. If anyone wants to use my baby as an emote on Twitch, uh, you, you have that option. You are so inclined. Um, I guess that's also a 2017 highlight of sorts. Certainly a noteworthy event. There's now Mini Alec. Alec 2. He came out of build successfully. No problems. Uh, um, Sarah, also a member of uh, the Capitalist Army. And uh, I'll be seeing her uh, tomorrow, actually. Going back home for Christmas. Gonna hang out with her, hang out with the baby, hang out with the fam. Should be fun. Congrats, as always, dude. Thank, thank you. I do good work, yeah. You, you do. You're, you're, I'm sure your penis works correctly. <laughs> All right. Uh, other highlights. Uh, try. I guess related to the the judge thing you're talking about, since this was the whole the whole undercurrent war that was started. The whole Judgment Day fiasco was the fact that uh, GigX didn't want to, like, gangbang Try. Try standing tall against the DRF. They went in to go kill FCON and Phoenix Federation. DRF was like, yo, we're invading you. And they were like, okay, cool. Uh, we're still going to go kill FCON. And they went and did that while still holding on to their space against the DRF. I guess things may have gone differently if uh, Circle of Two had an undercut legacy coalition like that, but Try and their coalition showing some impressive resolve against pretty nasty odds uh, and still getting a lot of success. They killed Phoenix Coalition entirely. FCON is a shell of its former self, now basically a DRF pet. And uh, they're still doing their thing, uh, still fighting, amazingly. It's like the first proper long war we've had in ages. Yeah, it's been really long. Yeah, well, it's no end in sight too. 
yeah, we've still got like Tri basically being invaded by Solar and Tri beating Solar back. Um, the real question is how much damage does the CPA thing do to their ability to fight? You know, hopefully they they seem to be okay right now. They've lost a couple of systems, but it doesn't seem like the uh, Alliance is power cascading just now. I think fun. I think their strategy. They, I think they had the advantage early on in their strategy was very much focused on keeping their staging citadels alive and assaulting FCON and their allies' staging citadels. They weren't too concerned with Sov. They let Sov fall here and there, and I think they let the DRF burn out over Sov. And I think they had the advantage using that strategy early in the war. Um, it worked out well for them, and it forced DRF into some timers they couldn't handle due to the time zone mechanics, and that meant they got... Um, Kind of outplayed really in their own, on their own turf, um, but now that's interesting. Like that's evolved. DRF are kind of adopting that strategy now in that they are they've consolidated into the drone lands, and they've got probably like, between like five hundred and fifteen hundred players on these big timers. So they go and hit a Soyoto or a Keepstar, and then they just consolidate all of their blob onto that timer and try can't do anything. They have to dock up. Um, which that's started happening and try kind of now responding with more of a kind of ground war assault they've got with dividing the corpse into hitting different areas of DRF Sov and forcing them on on the back foot with uh, Sov warfare so it's like it's interesting like it's not like the war is now so long that they're adopting each other's strategies and we're actually yeah, neat. seeing that actually evolve and I think that's the result of both Fozzy Sov and the new Citadel mechanics and the moon changes all coming together and I think Skeptics hopefully are being proved wrong now in that Eve can have these long lasting forever wars, which is all, what we all kind of want, really, I guess, for as PvPers. Well, I mean, in order to have that, you need two sides that aren't willing to back down. And uh, I think a big element of Tri's success here is their willingness to be aggressive. Most alliances, when they hear that, uh, like a, a DRF or an Imperium is like coming to deploy on top of them. The first response is they pull back and try to defend and just defend. And then the first time that doesn't work, which presumably it wouldn't because of all those numbers, then they start evacking and move somewhere else. And that's sort of how the, all the wars go. Uh, with this, it was different in that they defended the staging keep stars, but they didn't skip any tempo on their attack on FCON. They kept pushing those guys on the back foot, kept that pressure up. And it evened the odds somewhat because DRF and FCOM were never really able to get on the same page. And FCOM essentially fail cascaded right away, which took took a lot out. And uh, the fact that they were standing tall meant that Guardians of the Galaxy was like, oh, let's get in on this. It opened up opportunities for, for instance, Unspoken to go in and, and take a little sod because clearly this conflict wasn't going anywhere. I think we're, right now a lot of the reasons these big wars have sort of fizzled out as people just decide not to fight, decide to retreat and, you know, take their chances elsewhere. Try standing their ground has shown that, A, it's possible, and B, it can have some really interesting effects downstream. I'm quite excited to see how it goes. I hope it doesn't stop anytime soon. It's fucking fascinating. Let's get some more battle reports, get some folks from Try and DRF on the show. It's like make this a thing because the fact that that fight is still happening I think is one of the best 
elements of EVE right now in terms of meta PvP. Definitely, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's been a great fight to kind of observe. A real war of attrition, really. It's got an NC and PL involved. Strag pest in. Like, it, it, when GOTG got involved, then it was a true world war for uh, a couple of weeks before that ended mysteriously in the questionable circumstances. <laughs> uh, while all this is going on, Goonswarm is like, nah, we are mining. Did you uh, see they... the graph I actually put up on Twitter, by the way, where I showed like that goons are about two-thirds of the yeah. rest of NoSec combined? Yeah. That's Crazy. ridiculous. In one region, practically. I only got a little bit in queries and stuff, but like, that's insane. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. It's like, uh, let me actually find it real quick. I mean, it's... Knows, what are they doing without all that ore? I mean, like, we could, my that is the question, is right? Stockpiling supers, so when they do get invaded, they can just whelp them and out grind other alliances just by throwing supers at each other. Like, that's my guess, but I don't know. Well, if if the rest of Eve isn't fighting, it's basically an arms race, right? And Coonstorm is winning. <laughs> like. They have enough minerals, they can not just choose what to do with them, they can do everything with them. They have more production than like the next 10 regions combined, just in-house. And we know they're not exporting a large numbers of the moon minerals, or yeah, anything else, really. importing Mexilon. Tons of it. I, I think I said a comment from one of the goon uh, leaders in that they're actually quite glad of like Pen of Smash and these other guys who are doing uh, dread bombs on their space, like they're quite glad that they're actually killing all these carriers day in day out because it forces their members into supers because they want as many people as possible in supers, and they just like uh, I can just I can see it soon that like five hundred nicks is going to undock. It's, uh, yeah, goons yeah. over the course of the month of November mined sixteen trillion seven hundred ninety one billion isk worth of minerals. Everyone else in Olsen, everyone else in Nolsec mined 23 billion, sorry, 23 trillion and 32 billion. Man, that is just, that's insane to me. Yeah, to put that into perspective for people who are maybe watching this at some other point in the future, Plex is what, like 1.8 billion? So that's nearly 10,000 Plexes worth of moon minerals, sorry, worth of minerals mined in November before the moon mining changes. And speaking of those moon mining changes, if anything, this is going to make it go even higher. I think Lifeblood, which has revamped moon mining reactions and that whole mechanic, has probably been one of the most successful patches just in terms of delivery. It's been great. I was really, really, really skeptical of the new moon system being an effective combat driver, but... uh, Instead of making all moons worthless because they were so common and because it was so hard for one alliance to extract the value out of them, now I think it's it's actually made all moons super valuable because trying to extract the value is really dangerous, but people still want to do it. It's very valuable. And the actual mechanics of getting the rocks up, the interface for selecting them, uh, where they spawn, how they spawn, all that stuff has... I don't know. It's just well done and well thought out, and uh, 
I've been actually mining. It's ridiculous. It feels weird to say. Feels weird to know that like all the skills I've been training lately have just been mining shit. But it's the most effective way to make money where I'm at. And what's the difference between, you know, locking a red cross and waiting until the gray bar goes down when I press a button to locking up a rock and waiting till it disappears after I get done pressing a button? Uh, you know, who, who gives a fuck? So I'm, I'm in the mining life now and uh, I'm running reactions, which is way easier than before. Whole industrial interfaces, you know, and that was a pretty great patch too. Um, the new industrial interface, way, way better. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been cool. I don't know what to say about it other than uh, op success. Um, if you can convince me and other PvPers that mining is cool now, then you have accomplished quite the feat. I def- I'm not sure I'd go, as far- I'd go as far as saying mining is cool, but it's certainly been a lot more appealing than I thought. I think your point about is it is what's different, you know, difference between mining a rock and shooting red cross is 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 a, is a good one because there isn't. In terms of PVE, I, I've never been excited by PVE, and Eve. the only time I've been excited is doing capital isolations and wormholes and figuring that out. But once you've got it down, you figured it out. It's really not that exciting anymore. Um, whereas, like the, one of the good things about mining for your income is, I found recently, is that you kind of feel like you're part of this big chain where it starts with mining and finishes with the explosions. Um, and I think that shooting red crosses doesn't really feel like it's part of that chain and I kind of quite like that loop of Eve of like um, you know concept of everything is built by the players and I think the moon mining definitely involves people in that who wouldn't have been otherwise I think that's pretty cool yeah definitely um, the whole reaction chain process is kind of cool it, it's such a I guess it's silly in one way but like to collect it all and like build it into the one thing and then build it into the other thing. I don't know. There's something to it. There's some value there, like like, like you said, seeing it move from the raw material to the finished product and know that it's going to go into an Ishtar or something, and then that Ishtar is going to be involved in, in PvP somewhere. It's kind of nice. I don't know. been enjoying I it. you guys are missing kind of the, the biggest impact of Lifeblood, which was the alpha changes. Because holy shit, has that kicked like the Chinese presence in TQ into overdrive? Oh, like yeah. Ser- Serenity is has been like kind of low key failing for a while because uh, PIBC has won it. Um, so there's like two or three groups that are basically emigrating from Serenity to TQ because there's nothing they can do at this point. Uh, one of those groups is going to Goons. I've heard that one of them is going to NC, but I haven't really got confirm on that. And the other one is just pouring into Tribe. And they can't really pay for the game with money because of, you know, things. You know, China is a communist dictatorship, etc., etc., etc. And stuff like that. But, thanks to the new alpha changes, Fraternity is not only growing, they're actually going to be able to, you know, have a scary amount of power in the near future. I am fucking hype. I'm pretty excited about that. I want the Chinese server to die, and I want the Chinese on our server. It's the only thing that can compete with the Australians in AU time zone. 
I look forward to the great war of Chinese players versus Australian players in about two years when they get access to cap ships. I think, I think having that third time zone active is really good for the health of the game in terms of people can't hide behind uh, early Russian. Like Russians can't behind, hide behind their early timers um, and the US guys can't hide behind their light timers if they're put up against, you know, if they're borders with someone like EU time zone, for example. So it means they're going to have to actually move their timers into their peak playtime, which gives more options for other people to attack them, and that's really cool. More fights, bigger fights. Hopefully. I think there's a lot of risks in having a lot of Chinese players coming in as well. Like Jin was saying, they're all coming in as alpha players, which is cool, but when they start getting enough money to Plexa accounts so they can use T2 ships... Yeah, and no, bring it on. Things. Like, that's going to make the Plex price go nuts, which means that's going to happen. Bring it on. The people who bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. Like, I hate, 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 hate the fact that there are two EVE servers. When I started playing, it was a single shard game. It was one of the coolest aspects about it. I want that shard to die. It's got to die. Die, 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 die. I don't hate anything against the players. I don't want to take away anything they've accomplished, but I want those players to be part of our community on the one true EVE server. I really want it. Like, doesn't personally affect me, I guess, in any way, but, like, of things that don't personally affect me, this is one of my strongest desires. Someday. All right. Uh, so that's 2017, baby. Uh, some good, some bad. Overall, I'm pretty happy to see it go, to be honest with you. Uh, overall, I'd say... Uh, well, I guess 2016 was worse, for sure. So, we're moving up. Gradually. <laughs> Things are getting better, but it's still pretty bad. Uh, let's move into some host highlights to close out the show. Uh, my host highlight is a clean-as-fuck Osprey kill. Navy Osprey in Faction Warfare. It's Capitalist Army and Mercenary Coalition. Doing our thing. Tech 1 frigates, Faction Frigates. Six of us versus one Navy Osprey. Now, the Navy Osprey is designed as a frigate killer. It's like a caracal on crack. Rapid lights, very fast, utility high slot, uh, lots of mids for tank and scrams and all that kind of stuff. It, uh, it's good. It's very good. One of the favorite ships of nanopilots. Six frigates. No tech two. No logic. We catch this guy basically point blank range in a uh, faction warfare plex. So we're rolling in, and I'm FCing this, and I'm like, huh, that's going to be a tough fight, but let's take it, because I'm in a Mollus, a Mollus with three 58% damps and a flight of four ACM drones, and I'm like, you know what, I bet this will work. So sure enough, we get in there. First things first, I put the range damps on him which allows our initial tackler to get range and warp off and go heal at the local, uh, uh, what you call it, citadel. So she's off. We've got secondary points now. 
I pull range. Guy loses lock on me. I switch over to the res damps and start throwing the ECM drones out. And this guy's he's locking us up. He's throwing some missiles. He's nuding people out. But when the lock breaks, it takes him forever to relock. And at that point, my ECM drones are getting multiple cycles in on him. Uh, so by the time he locks the next person, we're lucky if he gets a couple shots off before he gets broken again. And we just kept him there, totally helpless. He couldn't touch me. He was out of his range. He couldn't apply enough damage for a long enough period of time to kill anybody else. And anytime he got relatively close, because we had him so scrammed and webbed, the ship that was under fire could just pull range and warp if needed. And uh, I think it maybe took us uh, three or four minutes. We eventually brought down his passive tank and claimed not only the kill, but a large degree of local salt from this guy who was complaining about, quote, being 6v1'd, no skill. <laughs> okay, buddy. Mr. Rapid Light Kaldari ship. Complain more about the frigates. Fucking noob. Anyway, my Wallace raped him. Brutally. He had no chance. It was a complete, total shutdown of his ship by a ship that probably cost three or four billion. And what does an Aiden Avionis probably go for fully fit? Probably like uh, 75 to 100, somewhere in there? Yeah. I, I hope he, he put bounties on our entire fleet. I hope it haunts him. Wow. For like, yeah. I hope, I hope the memory of it haunts him for a good long while. I hope he's triggered every time he sees a Mollus fly by him in space. God bless. Well, my I mean, it's one thing to lose, but to complain that you've lost when you're up against ships hard counter. Like, come on, bro. Take the loss in stride. You're like, man, that was a good strategy or something like that. Or you're like, that was fucking frustrating, but whatever, good fight. No, 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 no. Not this guy. This guy's E honor was offended. Because the frigates wouldn't line up and die to his pimp faction cruiser. Get the fuck out. Alright, Ian? <laughs> yeah, my, my host highlight is I joined the Vape Nation this week. I got myself a dank-ass vape. So I can blow them sick clouds. More of a low light, really. Nah. Nah, foul. You gotta embrace. You gotta embrace the niche. <laughs> But yeah, it's because I realized I was I was smoking a ton of uh, the devil's lettuce, and I realized that that was kind of bad for my lungs. So I got a vape. Yeah, which you somehow believe will be better for your lungs. It's way better for my lungs because it's a dry herb vape, not an e-cig. So it like uh, it vaporizes the oil, and inhaling the mm -hmm. oil is way better than inhaling burning plant matter. I mean, it's still you're still inhaling life. smoke though, right? No, because no, it's just vaporized oil. I mean, I'm mm. still going to get like mad cancer from it, but it's going to be like a lower level mad cancer. Less tar. Tar. Yeah, sorry. less tar. The tar. That's the that's the shit. <laughs> okay, Le I, less I tar. Same amount of that cancer you crave. It it makes me cough less, therefore better for me. All right, fair enough. 
Doctor approved. <laughs> Bay, what about your highlights? Uh, I've had a good couple of weeks in EVE. Um, uh, nothing particularly interesting in real life, but in EVE I had some fun. Um, and yeah, I put <laughs> put down as a highlight losing my orc to skill yourself. Um, <laughs> I guess most people would uh, perceive that as a as a low light, as it were. But I think it, it kind of reminded me like, what am I doing mining, uh, and why I'm just kind of lemming you around in an orca in the hostile space is probably a little bit silly. It just kind of reminded me of the chaos of Eve, really, and that you know, eight years into this game, I'm still a noob, and I, I love that's what I love about the game. I think the fact that I constantly have to learn to evolve. Um, yeah, it was good fun. Losing an orca, it made me <laughs> made me a man. Awesome. Well, that's it, guys. Head to declarationsofwar.com to participate in the poll for this show. Leave a comment on the episode. Let us know what you thought about Eve in 2017. Let us know your hopes for Eve in 2018. This will be the last Declarations Award of the year. We will see you in early January. Um, even though I will be uh, in and out of Eve during the holiday break, going to try to spend time with the family for reals. Uh, Capitalist Army will still be recruiting, particularly in our European time zone and Eastern Standard time zone, which I think now is our strongest since picking up Illuminor. Um, join Capitalist Chat in game for more info. Capitalist Space Chat. We'd love to have you come participate in the Great Wildlands Project. Make right, great, great wildlands great again. <laughs> Uh, join like I would say the hottest most up and coming PvP region in EVE at least small gang warfare anyway and uh, wherever you are guys good hunting and happy holidays 18 months of other projects for EVE only days. what little work was done for us adds nothing to our play so the time you had was running out and our hearts were growing cold when monocles were then released, you couldn't be more bold. The time has come for you to bring a true update for E, but it's also time to say goodbye to Huber's pride, you see. We love your game, we want to play, what should every player do? How could we get your sole attention? We didn't have a clue. Winter update, winter update, let's wipe away our tears. Winter update, winter update, cause the time is finally here. Cause the time is finally here. Giving us four brand new ships, the our team's job begins. Next we get new nebula, to let the stars shine in. We take our ships, their old skins you let go. Give them new textures so their beauty will glow. Winter update, winter update, let's wipe away our tears. Winter update, winter update, the change we need is near. Winter update, winter update, cause the time is finally here. Cause the time is finally here. Many players unsubscribed, this was the awful price. But now we'll see them all return, they can't escape their vice. You help them see why CCP has come from six below. You're making all the change we need. So the player base can't grow. Winter update, winter update. Let's wipe away our tears. Winter update, winter update. The change we need is near. Winter update, winter update. Cause the time is finally here. 
Cause the time is finally here. No easy task to nerf things down, but that's what's super speed. With careful tweaking to and fro, they'll be balanced indeed. Destroyers, hybrids, starbase fuel, time dilation too. Must be working very hard, we know you'll see it through. Winter update, winter update, let's wipe away our fears. Winter update, winter update, the change we need is fear. Winter update, winter update, the time is finally here. Cause the time is finally here Now that I know what you will do It's time to head for space From station I will soon depart Expand my knowledge base How will I do with all these changes? Will I die right away? Want you to go on so I must Get my friends to play Get my friends to play Finally here, because the time is fine.